Hey guys, this is your host Lauren. I know that it's been a while and I wanted to apologize for sort of leaving this podcast behind, but I am back and ready to dive into another serial killer. But first, some updates that I wanted to let you guys know about. First, I used to post on Tuesdays, but I'm going to be changing it to posting on Fridays. It just works with my schedule a little bit better. Second, I just wanted to say thank you. I know that not everyone who has listened to my podcast is following it or following it now, but still, thank you. I opened up my stats and saw that I had 1,168 plays of my podcast, which is more than I ever thought I would get. I'm going to work super hard to keep these going because I do really find them fun to write and record. Third, I just wanted to give you a little update about me. I graduated high school last year and I'm in college now and it's going really well, just keeping me busy. Now, that's enough about me. Let's get into our serial killer for today, The Night Stalker. Hey guys, I'm here with my sister Morgan. Hi everyone, I hope everyone's staying safe uh, with COVID, but I'm so glad you all all have joined us for another episode. So today we're going to talk about Richard Ramirez, or otherwise known as The Night Stalker, a name given to him by the media during his time in California. That's a pretty sick name. Like, sick isn't bad, but you know, it's a pretty good name. Born February 29th, 1960, Ramirez was always considered a troubled child ever since his cousin Mike returned from fighting in Vietnam. Mike introduced Ramirez to many gruesome stories of his time in Vietnam, including torture that he would use against soldiers and Vietnamese women. Sounds like a bad man. He really was. (laughs) Not only did Ramirez have a very violent and descriptive past, but Ramirez also suffered from seizures after getting multiple head injuries. After committing several petty crimes such as possession of marijuana and petty theft, Ramirez was put into a juvenile detention center for being at the scene of a murder of his cousin, Mike's wife. Uh, That's pretty textbook so far. I've seen head injuries uh, going to, like, juvenile detention. I don't know why head injuries, but... Well, the head injuries were done by his father. Oh, I actually was wondering how he got those head injuries, too. Just don't give your children head injuries. Just don't. Now, Mike was actually the one who killed his own wife, but Ramirez just sat there and did not help, so he was considered a co-conspirator. Ramirez dropped out of the ninth grade and moved to California, and this is where his interest into Satanism began. Uh, That's a twist. I did not see coming. Now, you're going to hear some weird things tonight, Morgan. I'm ready. Good. Be warned. On March 17, 1985, Ramirez attacked 22-year-old Maria Hernandez and 34-year-old Dale Okazaki. Okazaki died from the attack, but Hernandez survived. But she only survived because the bullet ricocheted off of her keys. That's pretty cool, I have to say. Keys save your life, people. That very same night, Ramirez attacked another woman, Tsai Lian Yu in her own car. He pulled her out and attacked her and then shot her. A policeman found Yu on the road shot multiple times, but she died on the ambulance ride to the hospital. That's crazy. So, does he like shoot his victims for these three? At the beginning, he shoots them. Okay. The media went wild with these attacks, and Ramirez was given two temporary names. Now, Morgan, I want you to guess what these two temporary media names were for Ramirez. Uh, 
Well, I had a really good name at first because I didn't know anything about the case. I just came up with some pretty epic names. And I don't know he shoots people. I, I don't they don't apply. But the first one I came up with was the evening exanguinator. You know, because he like exanguinates his victims, but he shoots them, so that doesn't work. Because you know, Night Stalker evening. And the second one, I just made him peeper because I thought he just started, you know, like peeping his victims <laughs> and was like super creepy about it. <laughs> and I see now he shoots his victims. I am sorry. Okay, well, you are way <laughs> off. It's actually the walk-in killer and the valley intruder. That's so lame. Mine is so much better. They should have hired me. Right, the evening ex- <laughs> <laughs> The walk-in what killer? The walking killer and the valley intruder. That's really lame. Really lame. On March 27th, Ramirez escalated by shooting Vincent and Vaccine Zazara and mutilated Vaccine Maxine's body. So he shoots them and then mutilation. So he decides the names weren't cool enough. So he decides to step up his killing game. He does not get his other name until later. I hate this guy. This was the first murder to leave behind some evidence. Yeah. While Ramirez was leaving, he stepped into the Zara's flower beds, which the police made a cast out of. But that was the only evidence the police had on him. Dang. They could not find any other evidence to tell them who was this attacker and more importantly, why he was attacking these people. He mutilated Maxine's body by making a tea carving on her left breast and gouging her eyes out. By this time, the police are getting desperate. The media is going crazy about this new attacker. They are working together, trying to catch this guy, and all throughout April, there were zero attacks. It seemed like the trail was just dead. Hmm, interesting. However, in May, Ramirez showed up on the police's radar again by by attacking Harold and Jean Wu. Harold was found dead, but Jean was found beaten and violently raped, but was the first victim that Ramirez left alive willingly. Dang, so he left the guy alive? No, he killed the guy. He killed the guy. He shot him. That's so weird. I think, I have a guess. Um, He, a lot of the names that we're hearing are like, uh, like Taiwanese, uh, Japanese, Chinese. I think it's maybe a racial type of uh, serial killer going on here. It is, because if you remember, his cousin Mike mm-hmm. fought in the I Vietnam remember. War. My mind's a steel trap. Throughout May and August, Ramirez was constantly attacking people and leaving behind little to no evidence. He targeted different people of age, race, and gender, but most of his victims actually wound up dead. On August 17, 1985, Ramirez shot a 66-year-old man and beat and shot his wife. But she survived. This woman was able to identify Ramirez from the walk-in killer sketches, but he was now given the new name, the Night Stalker. Now, you may be thinking, this guy has evaded the police so well, surely he won't be caught, right? (laughs) Well, we know about him, so I'm sure he's been caught. On August 24th, Ramirez made a mistake, a slip that would lead to his arrest. Aw, yes. It was considerably a normal attack for Ramirez, shooting the husband in the head and then raping and beating the wife. 
However, this woman, Inez Erickson, would be Ramirez's downfall. After Ramirez finished, he tied up Inez and went to leave. However, Inez was able to get to the window, and guess what she saw? His face? His car. Oh, okay. An orange (laughs) Toyota station wagon. Inez told the police, and a teenager later in public saw the car and was able to get half of his license plate. The orange Toyota was found on the 28th after Ramirez dumped the stolen car, but he left behind something very important. A single fingerprint. Haha, that's how they get ya! The fingerprint! From his fingerprint, the police was able to find his criminal record, and they were able to release his mugshot to the public. And on August 30th, Ramirez was in East Los Angeles, unaware that his mugshot was in every newspaper. A woman saw Ramirez in public and began to shout at him, calling him the killer. Only then did Ramirez see his mugshot, and he tried to run, but he was tackled by an angry mob, and they started to beat him to the ground. The police managed to come and stop them, but he would have died. (laughs) Obviously, he deserved that. (laughs) And that one lady, she is my hero. Now, this trial is one of the wildest trials I have ever heard of, and it is actually considered to be one of the longest trials that has ever occurred. That's good. I watch a lot of Law & Order, so I am prepared. Jury selection began on July 22nd, 1988. During his first court appearance, Ramirez had drawn a pentagram on his hand and yelled, Hey, hail Satan to the jurors' faces. I forgot about that. You know, honestly, that seemed like a little sl- subplot that didn't really matter at the time, but I'm like, ah, this guy really is a kook. Now, this trial suffered many delays that put off the entire trial for a year. So, Ramirez reportedly threatened that he was going to shoot the prosecutor while in jail, and this threat led to having metal detectors being installed in the courthouse, and there were extensive searches on anyone and everyone who entered the courtroom, because they were so afraid that Ramirez was actually going to go through with it. They thought he was going to like hire a guy to do this? Oh my gosh. Or that he was going to sneak in his own gun somehow. From, from prison? Yes. That's how afraid they were of him. The guy has a lot of dreams, I have to say. He's good at dreaming. On August 14th, a juror by the name of Phyllis Singletary was found shot dead in her apartment. Say what? This led to a panic of questioning if somehow Ramirez was responsible. Mm. He was not, though, they discovered. It was found that Singletary's boyfriend killed her and then himself in his own apartment. Okay. But there was still the scare that somehow Ramirez was able to orchestrate the murder of one of his jurors. Mm -hmm. Despite these troubles, on September 20th, 1989, Ramirez was found guilty of 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. Ramirez sentences to die in a gas chamber. A gas chamber? A gas chamber. What year is this? 80... California. 89 California? Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know they did that. 
Ramirez's trials was extremely long and difficult with over 100 witnesses and it cost $1.8 million, considered to be the most expensive trial until the O.J. Simpson case. <laughs> O.J. If you think that Ramirez was upset over his sentence, you'd be wrong. In fact, right after the sentence was served, Ramirez said, quote, Big deal. Death always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland. Okay, then. Now, you may be thinking that this is the end of Ramirez's stories, but there yes. is one more thing that I need to tell you about him. Oh, no, I do not want to hear it. Throughout his entire trial and all throughout his prison sentence, Ramirez had a large amount of fans and these fans would write him love letters. I hate that so much. People would visit him in prison to tell them him how much they loved him. Did did they not like uh, see the news or anything like that? Oh, they did. But they considered him very attractive. And so they were in love with him. Okay, then. Your life. Since 1985... That was when he began to attack those women and never stopped. Ramirez had a fan that was in love with him. Her name was Doreen Leoy, a freelance magazine editor. She wrote Ramirez 75 letters during his time in prison and visited him constantly. In 1988, Ramirez proposed to Doreen and she said yes. Oh boy. They were married on October 3rd, 1996. Doreen was so in love that she said she would kill herself when Ramirez was executed. No words to that one. It took forever for Ramirez to even be considered to go into the gas chamber because there was so much paperwork and also a big battle of ethics deciding if we they should have execution by gas chambers. Hmm. However... Doreen never killed herself because in 2009, it was proven through DNA evidence that Ramirez had raped and murdered Mei Lun, a nine-year-old girl. Doreen left Ramirez. Well, finally she's seeing sense, oh my gosh. By the time of his death, Ramirez was engaged to Christine Lee. Oh boy. However, Ramirez never made it to the gas chamber. He died from B-cell lymphobia at age 53 on june 7th 2013 he's been like alive when i was alive oh my gosh for reference i was six when he died this man is crazy so that is the story of richard ramirez aka the night stalker thank you for listening yeah, it's been a crazy uh, story together, and I'm so glad you were here for it. A quick little update that I wanted to give you guys. I'm going to be working on an Instagram where I will post updates and maybe some little facts about different serial killers, but I will let you know when that is up. In the meantime, this is your host, Lauren, my sister Morgan. Yo. And I will see you next Friday. <laughs>